You're tuned in to Them, That, and This, the podcast that's exploiting humanity one person at a time. And once again, we're exploiting Jesse, who's joining us again to tell us more about his life teaching in the California prison system. He goes more in depth into the topic, tells us more crazy stories, actually talks more about the prisoners as individuals, and some uh, strange relationships that go on behind closed doors over there. And before we get started, if you think you're interesting and you want to be on the podcast, please email me at themthatandthis at gmail.com or on Instagram at themthatandthispodcast. All right, here we go. Let's take it away. Welcome. So Jesse, welcome back to the podcast. Your your episode was the most popular episode of my podcast ever. So I've decided to welcome you back because it got like such a reaction from the people. Um, <laughs> let's talk more about it. Let's talk more about prison, about the relationships, about um, about everything, even about your situation. Let's get it. let's let's talk about it. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me back. It's it's so crazy to hear you know how much how much uh, traction you got on that episode yeah like i couldn't believe it like i thought for sure it'd be popular because it's about prison but like you know i watch prison documentaries sometimes like i figure everybody does but like like the amount of listens that i've got for that episode were extreme so i thought like let's try it again let's talk more about prison you know (laughs) (laughs) definitely man definitely Uh, well you know i'm happy i'm happy to be back i'm you know, happy that you invited me back and, you know, any, any time I'm happy to talk about my experiences. I know there's been some feedback on the episode of people actually in the same field and kind of sharing their experience as well. So uh, I think this is just a good platform for people to come together, uh, you know, in a time when we're also so divided Exactly. Uh, it's a horrible time in terms of that, in terms of like, I don't know, like I haven't been in America really in five years, but um, like from the media, it just looks like America's falling apart, to be honest. Like it doesn't look like a happy place to be at the moment. Yeah. In most situations, I would say that the media is over exaggerating pretty much everything but it actually kind of feels like that right now it feels like there's no way to have open discourse with somebody that is you know of different opinion and it's it it creates a very hostile environment you know maybe not physically hostile but people are very quick to get into you know arguments rather than discussions and nobody's open to actually you know looking at the facts and seeing what's actually going on and in in my case especially working in corrections I get to see a side of corrections uh, that not a lot of people ever experience like what is that what's the side Uh, well you the political climate now is just everything is against uh, incarceration. And I, I think there does need to be a lot of reform. Yeah. Uh, but it's not as bad as the media would 
put it out to be. <laughs> it's like a dog in the background. <laughs> yeah. And he, he just kind of freaked out over something right oh, now. I'm no. sorry. No, it's fine. It's fine. What kind of dog is it? Uh, he's like a little mutt chihuahua mix, but he's uh, got a, a ton of hair, so everybody thinks he's something else. <laughs> wow, interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, I think definitely like the prison prison needs to be reformed a little. But like, what do people mean they're against like in incarceration? Like, what do they want? Like, what do they want? Like, when a guy like commits a crime, do they just want to like slap him on the hand and let him go? Like, what what's the what's the alternative you know that's that's the thing i think a lot of people don't have an alternative you know they have their opinion that this is a bad situation which i'm not really going to argue with that because there definitely needs to be major reform Mm -hmm. but it's not you know they're not in there getting beat by the staff and they they've got it they've got a decent life it would be it would be better uh, for them to be there than to be homeless or, you know, in a shelter somewhere, they get their food three times a day. They've got, uh, endless hours of the day to do whatever they want. Um, you know, if they want to sit around all day and do nothing and just continue the same pattern of behavior, they can do that. If they want to, you know, get an education, they can do that absolutely free. They can get associate's degrees for free in prison they can get their ged for free they can get uh, you know vocational credits free vocational certifications free it just it's all up to them to you know want to change themselves well i think probably the worst part of prison is being with other prisoners because you know they have like what there's like race riots and like gangs and like you know like there's a there's terrible like i think they're like the most danger to like yeah, you know, they're they're the most dangerous thing in prison, right? The prison. Uh, it's that's definitely the case. Um, they're more likely to get involved in a physical altercation with each other mm-hmm. than with any staff member. Um, it, it definitely is uh, a danger. For sure, like, like I don't think like. Um, I don't know. I like I have I don't know what prison is like in any sense of the word, but like is it what do you think of like when people say like when you go to prison you have to like, you know, pick a fight with the biggest dude first and like hit him to like establish your dominance and like, you know, don't drop the soap types of shit. Like <laughs> is that stuff is that like a myth or is that like a real thing, you know? You definitely don't want to go in there and pick a fight with anybody. Um so this is not really something that um, like we're supposed to get involved with as staff members, but mm-hmm. there's people, there's inmates in there that will kind of have control over certain areas. And if somebody's new and they don't have any kind of ties and they don't, you know, they don't know anybody in there, it's their kind of first time around, somebody is going to approach them. Yeah. And if somebody approaches them and they respond combatively, it's, they're going to have a bad day. For sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, that's, yeah, it's definitely not something you want to do. You don't want to go in and start picking fights. Um, somebody will approach you and kind of let you know what's going on. 
for the most part, they don't they don't like to fight like that, you know, because it just creates more problems. But if they have to, they will, and you're going to you're gonna be seriously injured. Like earlier, you were talking before we started recording. You were you were talking about like relationships that started with the prisoners by like I guess some of the female <laughs> staff, the teachers. Yeah, not just teachers. There's uh, it, there's always something going on in a prison uh, somewhere. You might not see it, but there's something going on. But while I was there, there were constantly different staff members getting involved with uh, with inmates, whether it be just kind of creating close friendships, which you're not supposed to do, uh, or actually getting involved romantically. It, it, it happens a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, you said it was because of a lack of boundaries, right? Yeah, so it's something that I think n- not a lot of people are comfortable with. They're not comfortable with setting their own boundaries and actually sticking by those boundaries. And it's uh, it's an issue that's heightened inside of prison because you have to be firm on everything that you do. You have you can't have any kind of hesitation because the inmates will try and kind of manipulate it in some way in their favor. Um, It's not always malicious, but they're going to try and get something out of it. You know what? I think this stems because criminals don't have like, uh, like don't have good boundaries, right? Because if they were, if they did have good boundaries, obviously they wouldn't like beat people or rob people or like, you know, obstruct like society and, and, you know, get put in prison. So I think for them, it's like, you know, it's like you have to have super good boundaries as a civilian because like a prisoner probably has like close to no boundaries at all, unless it's like some kind of gang stuff or something, you know? I'm sure that's part of it. Um, It sounds, it's going to sound kind of ridiculous, but a lot of it is a game for them. They're, a lot of it is just kind of, who who can manipulate somebody and get the most out of it you know it's kind of a game for them it's Mm -hmm. not always that they're just you know trying to create these bonds with somebody because they're they don't have their own boundaries um it's it's more of a game you know there's there's a list that we had found one time and it was a list of all the staff members in the facility ranked in order of most likely to be uh, manipulated or wow yeah so that list (laughs) it was one of the inmates um i'm sure it was a collective uh list i'm sure they kind of got together and decided okay this is what i think about this person uh it I'm sure I'm sure that's how it, it came about but yeah that's something that we found uh who's on the on top of that instance. list who's like on the top it, most of the time it's uh female officers um just because they spend the most time with the inmates you know in direct wow. contact with the inmates so in my classroom it's myself <clears throat> and 13 inmates mm-hmm. at a time and in the dorm setting, it could be one officer to 80 to 90 inmates. So they, they spend a lot more time with the inmates in, you know, a big group 
comparatively. Were you on that list? Like, were you, did you see your name somewhere on there? No. Ah, well, that's good. <laughs> no. You were on the top. You're like, holy shit. <laughs> uh, number, number one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. No, uh, what, it's, go ahead. I wonder how it is in female prisons. Like if you were a teacher in a female prison, do you think they try to do the same thing? Absolutely. They, so I've, I've had friends from work that would go and they'll help out at all female facilities. And it's a hundred times worse uh, in their, from their perspective. So I had one guy, he was actually our, um, our IT guy. Mm-hmm. And he went out to help another facility get some networking set up. And it was, it happened to be an all female facility. And he said that he would walk down certain hallways and people or the inmates would just expose themselves to him and wow. you know, get, get a laugh at it. Oh my God. Think about how hard that would be. What if you have like a, <laughs> what if you're like teaching a class full, like a, like cute prisoners, you know, like, what are you going to do? Yeah. You know, like that's when the boundaries are tested, you know, you're like, holy shit, you know, some, yeah. some chick in the front row giving you the eye. <laughs> like, oh my God. <laughs> uh, absolutely. And it's, when you think about it like that, it kind of helps put into perspective some of the issues that the female uh, staff members deal with in a male prison sure Um, you know it kind of it kind of puts it into perspective but yeah in in both situations it's important to set those boundaries and maintain those boundaries because just because I'm you know in a male prison uh and uh you know they're not trying to build a romantic relationship with me doesn't mean they're not trying to build some type of relationship where they can take advantage of you know a friendship yeah then you they could have you get you know they could have you get drugs for them or something from the outside exactly that's how contraband gets brought in that's how weapons get brought in uh you know a lot of things can happen that way i mean when you guys walk in as like staff prison staff do you get like do you go through like a metal detector or get checked at all yeah, it's kind of like going through TSA every day. Uh, I don't know how That's flying awful. is there, but yeah, you know how flying through uh, America is here. Um, it's exactly like going through TSA every day. Wow, that sounds awful. That sounds terrible. <laughs> you get used to it. Even even now when I fly somewhere, mm-hmm. I just have like all my stuff ready to go uh, because, you know, that's in, in a lot of ways I'm institutionalized that way as well. You know, yeah. all my stuff's out of my pockets, my shoes are off, my belt's off, everything's ready to go into the tray and I'm ready to walk through the scanner. Do you think like female prisoners though, do you think they, they stand a higher chance of being like victimized or manipulated by male staff members? Who, who are looking to like take advantage of them? It's, it's hard to say because I don't have any real experience mm. in a female prison to, you know, to kind of provide firsthand um, knowledge. Um, I would say if you just kind of look at statistics, I don't think that's the case. Um, but, you know, it, it it could vary. 
Wow, you know that's like a good ep- that's like a good idea for an, an episode. Like, get a, a former female prisoner to like talk <laughs> about like, you know, a female prison. I feel like that's not a topic that's like a people don't talk about it enough. You know, like I hear a lot about male prisons, nothing about female prisons. Yeah, I think that just has to do a lot with the amount of females incarcerated to the amount of males. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the numbers are significantly lower. But yeah, I think that would provide an interesting perspective. For sure, for sure. <sighs> so like, th- growing up, did you ever almost end up in prison or jail or anything like that? Uh, I don't want to say that I almost ended up in jail or uh, definitely not prison, but I I was getting into some trouble, you know, early on. That's kind of what you know, makes me afraid for people that have young children, because I was, I probably started getting into trouble maybe around 10 or 11, um, like, you know, in, hanging out with, oh, go ahead. I was just going to ask him like what sense, but like you were about to answer. Yeah. So when I, when I went from sixth grade to seventh grade uh, here in California, that's when we do, we start, well, not in California, but in our district, we started junior high and I kind of began to get exposed to a lot of the gangs that were in the neighborhood and you kind of it it changes your world a lot and I I think I was I think I turned 11 in seventh grade so I'm you know 10 years old 11 years old around these gang members around drug dealers around people that were um, you know actually going out and committing crimes, you know, like at 11, 12, 13 in life. in life. There wasn't uh, too much in junior high. We had a lot of issues in high school. I'm sure you remember like yeah. the race riots and uh, we were, uh, the campus was on the lockdown. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. I wanted to say for like a month or something. And they were escorting everybody to lunch and escorting everybody, you know, wherever they had to go. Yeah. Um, yeah so you know I started getting introduced to those people and you know we would go out and you know shoplifting was always just kind of a thing to do Um, you know skipping out on meals nothing too serious like the most serious thing was shoplifting Mm -hmm. but we ended up getting caught one time and uh, they had called the police and you know they did their whole thing with us. Uh, but we were so young, I think in that situation, because we were so young, we didn't really have any serious consequences, but that, that instance opened up my eyes to, you know, the reality of the situation. Like it was, it wasn't too bad this time. What happens next time? And I think that's where a lot of people go wrong. They, they get into a little bit of trouble and they don't reflect on the situation and they don't, you know, decide what they want to do from there. You know, you can either continue making the same decisions and it might not be so bad next time, just like it wasn't this time, or it could be worse, you know? Mm -hmm. I feel like at that age, at that age, like, like I was like 13 in seventh grade or 12, 12 and I was 12 and 13 in, in seventh grade. Mm-hmm. 
And I remember like that was like the cool thing. Like gangster rap was like that's when gangster rap for like I guess for me that's when it was like a cool thing. And like gangster gangsterism <laughs> seemed like a cool thing, you know. Even though I didn't get too heavily, you know, I didn't get. I think in like freshman year of high school, I was hanging out with like legit like gangsters for a while. Mm-hmm. In, in my freshman year and like it became quite apparent like ah like i'm too much of a little bitch to roll with these people <laughs> like i'm not down to like live their kind of life you know mm-hmm. and i just moved on i just hang out with like uh you know more like-minded people i guess but yeah at that at those early at that early age i think especially like 12 13 14 like i think gangsterism is like really cool for like kids you know like, I feel like people start, start like, even imitating it, like, in that seventh grade, eighth grade level, you know? I know I did. I had, like, a stupid little hat with, like, Los Angeles and, like, you know, New <laughs> Times, New Roman <laughs> font and all this baggy-ass pants and shit, you know? Yeah, definitely. You know, before seventh grade, I can't really remember, you know, like, what my interests were. I mean, like, if you look at old pictures, I'm, like you know wearing shirts with cartoon characters and like playing pokemon yeah and then going into junior high it was like a totally different world you know all that stuff went out the window and yeah same same deal you know gangster rap was in and you know you kind of start hanging around with those people and then you, you see what they're doing they have money they're you know, always drinking, doing drugs. And I didn't even want to say drugs, honestly, because a lot of them just were just weed. like smoking weeds. Yeah. And it's kind of it's kind of crazy be, to think about the, the current situation uh, with weed now, because mm-hmm. that's really that's really what they were doing. You know, they were drinking and selling weed and, uh, you know, doing their little small crimes on the weekends. Yeah. And it's a totally different world now in terms of weed, but, um, you know, at that time they were considered drug dealers and, you know, these are the kind of people that I was hanging around with. They always had money and he kind of, you know, it draws a little bit of curiosity towards that lifestyle. Oh yeah. Especially, you know, growing up, not having really, you know, a lot of money to do things and seeing these people walking around, you know, it's kind of ridiculous to think about it because well, you know, what were they doing? They were like buying food and, you know, buying clothes and yeah. CDs, you know, what were they really doing with their money? But, you know, that's just the lifestyle. That's the mentality. Like do you, those people that used to hang out with, do you know what happened to them? Like, did they like also like sway from that like path or did they just like go down full force and like end up like dead or in prison i honestly i don't know uh i after i decided that i didn't want to continue down that path i just kind of broke off ties with these people and i never really looked for them again especially after junior high some of them went to a different high school some of them moved and, you know, I just kind of went and did my own thing. And, you know, that's kind of how I was all through high school. I didn't have like a specific group of friends. I just kind of went everywhere. 
you know, I had, um, you know, I had people that I played football with. Sometimes I'd go help with, uh, hang out with them. Uh, you know, I had old friends from like elementary school, like Edward, uh, I went to elementary school with Edward. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, sometimes I'd stop by, hang out with him and that's, that's when I first met you. Yeah. And, you know, I just kind of roamed around, you know, I've, it's kind of that at that instance in my life where I just kind of distanced myself from a lot of people. When I think back to like those gangster people that I hung out with, I'm like almost a hundred percent certain though I could be wrong that they're probably like either dead in prison or like doing something like very unfulfilling and bummy with their life, you know, <laughs> with probably a lot of kids. Like they probably yeah. have a lot of children. <laughs> yeah. Like I think sure. if, yeah, if you, if you were to look at just statistics, yeah, that I think you would be safe to uh, assume that I, I do have some people that I keep in touch with, but they, you know, just not people from that point in my life. You know, there's still some people that I keep in touch with from high school. Um, but you know, yeah, I don't, I don't know what any of those other people are doing these days. Yeah, me neither. Like for the most part, like there's like about three or four people that I talked to from that era. Um, but like, what do you think of Baldwin Park as a city? Like, I don't think it's like, I wouldn't consider it like a ghetto, which Baldwin Park, it's like the city where we went to high school. But um, it's not like, I wouldn't consider it a ghetto, but I don't consider it like a nice place either. But I don't think it's like a Compton or a South Central or something like that, where it's like a war zone. I feel like it's kind it's, of a place where you like pick and choose what kind of path you go down and it could be just what you want it to be, you know? Yeah, I, I would agree. Um, it's, that's definitely the case. It's definitely not like a Compton or Watts. Um, but there, there are a lot of issues, especially on the east side of the city. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's, that's where most of the gang presence was on the east side of the city. And yeah, there were some instances where there was a lot of violence, um, mm-hmm. especially, I want to say my junior and senior year, you know, a lot of that carried over into the school. Yeah. I remember some kid got shot by the basketball courts or something, maybe at the yeah. teen center, not at the school, but maybe at the teen center, like some guy got like over like something stupid, like $5. They got, he got like shot and died or something. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the same kind of mentality they have in prison. You know, they're, yeah. they, you know, lost a card game. They owe this person, you know, $5 and you know that's how fights start you know they accuse another person of cheating and it's it's always over something petty like that wow shit but yeah a lot of that a lot of that carried over into the school and you know we had our uh, shooting i have i can't remember if it was on campus either but i remember that it was uh in, involving some students from our school Mm-hmm. So, you know, we had that issue. We had issues with gang violence, um, even across the street from the school. I, I think I remember somebody got stabbed and thrown on their front lawn. And, you know, we, it's just kind of a weird place because it, it doesn't look, you know, it yeah. doesn't look like that kind of place, but it there's always some kind of seedy person in the shadows, you know? 
Yeah. Like just like walking out, walking out of the front of that high school and taking a right, you would walk by those like shitty apartments with like these like <laughs> gangsters hanging out outside. I remember. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, whoa. Like it's shit. I wonder, I wonder what happened to all those gangs if they still exist. Like, I don't remember any of them by name. I remember there was one, like, I think it was like KHA. I used to read it as like Cha or something. But like, I wonder if like, what, what happened to that? Do those people still exist? Like, are people still tagging that shit someplace? Or is it like all on Instagram? The gangs go on Instagram? Who the fuck knows? I, I don't no know. Yeah. Uh, I, so here's the thing. Some, some of the gangs do. That's actually how we do some of our research. So we have, uh, we have staff in the prison that's assigned specifically to investigate gang activity um, and when inmates come in, they photograph their entire bodies and um, this team will look for uh, tattoos that are gang related. And uh, they, they do kind of like special investigations. If there's an issue in the facility, they'll go in and they'll try and determine if the issue is gang related. And in a lot of cases, you find that there are some kind of uh, gang ties that the person has, but it might not be a gang related issue. You know, it's just kind of people that are trying to sometimes make a name for themselves. They're sometimes just trying to like gain points, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, you know, because they want to move themselves up in the hierarchy. Have you, have you, uh, have you or any of the staff members, like, have you witnessed anything, like, crazy going on in there? Like, have you seen, like, someone get fired because they were in a... Like, has anyone you've known <laughs> gotten into, like, a relationship with the prisoner? Like, and, like, you know, have you, like, talked to them afterwards and was like, what were you thinking? Like, what have you done? So, there, I can... There's a few stories that I can tell. One... So, there's there was another teacher. He was... Um, he had a classroom across from mine and uh, he was kind of like a, a middle-aged white guy um, seemed like, you know, like the old surfer type, you know, he was just real laid back and relaxed. He right away, you could tell from, you know, the day he got hired that he wasn't going to fit in very long because he just kind of had this mentality, like, why are there so many rules in this damn place? Oh, no. And, uh, you know, it was only a matter of time. But one day, uh, and he only he only lasted through one of his classes. But on the last day of his class, he, uh, he showed up like an hour and a half early for work. And uh, they checked him in. He walked back through his class. And he just kind of waited for his students to come in. And he had uh, apparently brought a box of donuts with him for his students. And, you know, it sounds like it's not really a big deal. Which, he smuggled in the donut, didn't he? Yeah, something. he smuggled in the donuts. Uh, it doesn't sound like a big deal. And if it's just donuts, it's it's really not a big deal. But it kind of opens up doors for more you know like that's Mm -hmm. the threshold that you cross Mm -hmm. it's just donuts now it might be something else next time it might be a weapon it might be drugs 
So anyways, he brings in the donuts and we, that morning I remember he had his door closed and he never had his door closed. And at this point I didn't know he had donuts cause he showed up way before everybody, Yeah. but he had his door closed and you could hear like his class laughing and it sounded like they were having a good time. So we went out for break um, and his class didn't come out. So the officer that's out there, he went and he, he's got keys to all the classrooms. So he went and he tried to go into the class. The class was locked. Uh, so he used his key, he opened up the classroom and he noticed that everybody was eating donuts. Um, so he, he didn't do anything. He just closed the door. He walked out and then that's when he, you know, he obviously he saw what they were doing. Everything in the facility is recorded. There's very little um, space that you can yeah. go where there's a no cameras. So mm -hmm. pretty much everywhere you go, you're going to be on camera. So he had to he had to report it because the camera would have caught him walking into the classroom and seeing what's going on. So everything's being recorded, but you're not always being watched. It's being recorded because if they need to, they can go back at a later time to watch it, you know? So they had to pull up the footage and they could see, obviously, everybody eating donuts. Uh, so it became a big ordeal. You know, they brought out uh, his, his boss, which would be my boss as well. He kind of runs all the programs. Mm -hmm. um, they brought out a few of the lieutenants they brought out the assistant warden and they all went into his class and they they dismissed his class um and they told all of us to go back into our classrooms shut our doors and uh um, they escorted him back out to the front uh to the admin area administrative area and they just kind of kept him there for a few hours um and it was there was a decision that they were making. Are they going to fire him? Which would have been, would have been standard if, yeah. if it were somebody that was there for a while and they did something like that, they would have just been fired. But I think because he was so new that they were going to just, you know, have a talk with him and, you know, write him up. That was going to be it. But he ended up getting so impatient while he was waiting for them. I think he was in there for like three hours that he just ended up quitting uh, oh, before wow. they could, before they could even tell him anything. So that was just the kind of personality he had. Like he wanted to do his own thing. He didn't care, you know, what anyone else said. He didn't care about the environment he was in. Um, he, yeah, he just left. I, I think part of it has to do with the fact that he came from like the public school system. So he's kind of, he's not used to that environment where you can't build these kind of relationships with your students, you know? Okay. And the, all that just because of donuts. Like I thought he was smuggling drugs in the donuts or something. No, no, it was really just because of donuts, you know, wow. all that whole ordeal just because of donuts. But that's how, that's how some of these cases start um, with compromised staff right before I started there was an instance where an officer was actually bringing in uh, weed and heroin for some of the inmates. Um, 
And that's kind of just how it started. It started because he, you know, gave him just gave the inmate something a little extra, like a little extra soap to clean his area or a little extra disinfectant. And that's how these things start. Fuck. And, you know, like, yeah, it was it was like donuts now. But like, what would it be like next week, next year? Yeah. Next month, you know? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Wow. So what what else happened? Like something else? You got another like a uh, crazy story? There's there's always something going on. Um I don't know how I don't know how much we can say here, but there was there was a lot of instances uh with like uh inmates inserting objects into their body cavities. Uh mm-hmm. there was one one instance where somebody had to be uh, rushed off to the hospital because they had a shampoo bottle in their rectum. A whole shampoo bottle, like a big a one? Whole sh- a whole shampoo bottle. Uh, um, don't ask me how it got in there, but it was in there. He couldn't get it out. And it was a prisoner. It was a prisoner, yeah. So whether he put it in there himself or had some assistance, uh is unknown because the the shower areas are one area that, uh, at least in our facility, they didn't have any cameras. Um, so you know we'd have a lot of fights in there, um, and yeah, they they had to rush them off in an ambulance to remove the shampoo bottle. Wow. Uh, do you think I had that's, one. Do you think that's like a nice like trip for them? Like they've been in prison. Like a hospital, like going to a hospital, that's like a, that's like a taste of freedom kind of, you know, like they're in a hospital where other people could just come and go and they're in there. You would think it, it would be, um, but at least just from some of the students that I've had, it's not really a pleasant experience and it's, uh, it's more of a reminder of the situation that they're in because mm-hmm. when they go on these hospital runs, they are, um, they're shackled. So they have, um, it's kind of like a four point shackle. They have their arm, not their arms, but their wrist and their ankles shackled. And then there's kind of like a leader between their wrists and their legs. So they can't do a whole lot of moving. Uh, and then if they have to be hospitalized, they're handcuffed to the bed. Um, so it's not, it's not really a pleasant situation. Where they no, have to, I guess not. They have to go and do these things. Um, yeah, you might think you know it's a little break from reality, but it's actually a reminder of the a more harsh reminder of the reality that they're in. Wow. I mean, if they could like somehow like, you know, it's it make an interesting escape attempt. You know, like <laughs> like to be yeah. strapped to a hospital bed and you know try to get out from there. But yeah. yeah, it it definitely would. Um, and it just kind of like, it makes you realize some of the things that happen in there, uh, you know, in, inside of prison. I had one, my, my, I had one student that he was just kind of putting off, you know, going to see the doctor because he didn't want to make that trip. So, you know, what, it's... What was wrong with him? Like... Uh, he... What... I don't remember exactly what was wrong with him, um, but it, I think he had some kind of tingling in his fingers and he wasn't 
you know, it was going for a while. He wasn't sure what to do. And he didn't really want to make a trip to the doctor just for that, you know, because it might go away in like a day or two. But, you know, it's kind of like it makes you realize that, you know, if somebody's trying to do better for themselves, this is the kind of situation they're in. These are the kind of decisions they have to make and, the you know, the things they have to think about when they make those decisions, you know, do I want to take a trip to the doctor and be shackled and handcuffed the whole way? Uh, or do I just want to kind of see if it goes away, you know, because we didn't have full medical services on site. Like they can't perform surgeries Yeah. in, in our facility. There's, there's facilities that are designated as mes- medical facilities. Mm-hmm. And um, if there's inmates that need to have some like a hernia surgery, you know, super common, if they need to have a hernia surgery, they'll get sent to one of these facilities, they'll stay there for a couple of days, and then just send them back. Um, but yeah, you know, with like tingling in the fingers or something, I think that could be like, that could be really serious, like from the nerves, like something wrong with the nervous system or something. Yeah, like it some could be nerves. Yeah, it could be, you know, just uh, something simple like a pinched nerve or it could be like nerve damage it's yeah you know there's not really and that's kind of what he was thinking yeah for sure like mm-hmm. i've thought that like myself like, i remember like what like i had like two days maybe two weeks ago where like i don't know my fingers my like my fingers were just burning and then it just went away things felt normal but i was like really concerned for like a couple of days i was like what the fuck was that you know yeah. 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 That, I'm, you know, I've been there too. You know, I wake up one morning and I'm just like, man, that, that didn't feel like that yesterday. Yeah. It's fucked up. You never know what's <laughs> happening. Wow. Yeah. The, um, so the last time I was on, I, I think I had messaged you like right after, I don't know if you want to, I don't know if you want to talk about this story, but I had told you about, um, the student that I had with the alternate personality Oh, yeah. Tell me about it. I would love to hear about that. <laughs> so he had uh, at this, I, you know, I was listening to one of your other episodes. You had your friend on that was into puppy play and yeah. his puppy name was Roscoe. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I heard it, I I could not stop laughing because I had a student. Uh, I don't know if it was necessarily an alternate personality for him, but you know, or just a way for him to kind of alleviate tension in his environment. But he had an alternate personality and his alternate personality was a dog and the dog's name was Roscoe. So he would kind of go back and forth sometimes between barking and, uh, you know, just kind of being himself. And sometimes he would he would do it in class and I'd have to tell them, you know, you got you to gotta just chill out because I can't have them looking into my classroom on the cameras and you're visibly barking at one of the other inmates. I kind of think you're trying to cause some problems. But, yeah, it would be like a whole thing uh, where somebody would, like the officer, would walk into my class and then he would, like, growl. He would growl at the mm. officer and then he would he would bark. And everyone would get, well, all the inmates in the class, the students would get a laugh out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes he would, uh, he would walk around like if he was riding a motorcycle too. 
you know, making the motorcycle sounds, screeching tires. And you instances like this kind of show you how some people cope with their situation. You know, I don't, I don't think that he had a mental disorder. I think he was just kind of, you know, like a, a comedian of sorts. And he, that's how he was trying to alleviate tension for himself and for people around him. You know, he was, uh, this is actually the reason that I say, I don't think he had a men, a, you know, serious mental disorder is because this is one of my students that while taking my class, he was taking six other college courses. I think I might've mentioned, mentioned it on the last podcast, but he was yeah. taking six other college courses Mm-hmm. Uh, to simultaneously work on two different associate's degrees. Wow. So it was like a, a perfect example of somebody, you know, kind of trying to deal with the environment that they're in and make better decisions for themselves, you know, when they get out. How did the other prisoners react to his barking and like his uh, growling and stuff? Most Most of them would laugh. Mm-hmm. Um, there might've been, you know, one or two that were just kind of annoyed with it. Uh, but yeah, m- most of the students would laugh and they would even, you know, refer to him as Roscoe, uh, you know, calm down, Roscoe, sit down, Roscoe. And, you know, it was, it was kind of like a comedic relief for, for all of them. Was he good at the barking or did it yeah, sound like a legit he, dog? It, it did. So we have, uh, we're just out here in the desert and there's a lot of coyotes. Uh, I don't know that the coyotes actually bark. I always hear them howl. Yeah. I don't know if they actually bark, but sometimes it would be early in the morning and I, you know, I would hear barking and outside. And even sometimes I would think, where's, where's this dog at? And then he'd walk into the class. Oh, of course. Wow. And yeah, it was yeah, it was. It sounded just like a barking dog. Um, it was kind of crazy. I mean, he he probably had a lot of time to perfect his his, his skill. Yeah, probably. Like, he has a lot of free time. <laughs> How long was he in prison for? Do you know? Uh, I don't know exactly, but he was pretty close to actually being released. Um, and I, my class was going to, you know, give him six weeks closer. Mm-hmm to going home so yeah he he didn't have too much longer uh, was, but was he was old or young or no he was young he was young he was uh i he was about my age um yeah he wasn't he wasn't old at all he might have been maybe two or three years older but yeah he was about 30 early 30s wow I wonder like what his life looked like before like that and like you know how it will be afterwards like was this like dog was this uh was this like dog personality always a part of who he was or is it something that he adapted in prison or wow yeah, I don't I never th- I never you know thought to ask him if he he carried that personality in with him when he got you know arrested but I guess that would be like, yeah, uh, I guess that would go against the, uh, you know, the boundaries of like asking it, someone that. <laughs> it could, it it definitely could. Uh, but see, that's, that's the thing. People, 
don't know where to draw the boundaries. They set up these boundaries and sometimes they're unrealistic and they, you know, they don't know how to differentiate between right and wrong to some degree, you know, like if my students ask me for a pencil, um, you know, I'm technically not supposed to just give them an extra pencil, but you know, if my students are doing work and they need an extra pencil, I'm going to give them an extra pencil. Yeah. But if, you know, the same student asks me after I give them the pencil, uh, let's say they ask me, oh, you know, can you bring in uh, a magazine for me? Uh, you know, I, I cannot bring in a magazine for you, but you can go to the library and check out a magazine. If you need to make arrangements, I'll even talk to the librarian for you so you can go and get what you need. So, you know, you have to know where to draw the line. You know, I, obviously I can't bring anything in for you from outside, Yeah. but we have a lot of resources here in the prison. If you need to make arrangements, I can help you make those arrangements, but I can't bring anything in for you that would be considered personal, you know? Wow. It just sounds like a hard life, man. Like prison. Like, it sounds like there's like no, like, it sounds like it's like gray day after gray day and there's no like, uh, there's no beauty to it. Like, especially if you're in there for like years, like if you're in there for like, like even like, I think almost anything more than a year is like really hard. You know, like if there's a year, you could count down the days to when you'll be free. <laughs> but like once you're in there for like a decade, like think about like all the stuff you're just never going to get to enjoy. Like, you know, like like a good meal or like, you know, a woman or anything like that. You know, it's like any, like think about the things that you love about life in prison. They're all going to be gone. Like all of them. Well, if you're a good enough talker, you might still be able to enjoy the company of a woman in prison. Um, it, it definitely happens. I had, I don't know if I mentioned this in the last podcast, but I had a student mm-hmm. who he was he was a pretty good student. He would come in and he would do all he would get all his work done and he would bring in uh from his own property, you know, sometimes he'd do work for other classes and if he's you know, if he's doing all my work and it's getting done, I can give him more work, but yeah. in the end he's just gonna get so far ahead of the other students that it's going to cause some issues. So he would bring in work from other classes uh, that he was taking. And then sometimes he'd bring in work to uh, write letters to his family. Yeah. Um, So he did that for a little while. And then um, eventually he started bringing in letters and I noticed that he was writing these letters. Um, They were all the same letters, but he was writing them in different color pens and he was changing the style of handwriting. And I happen, yeah, I happened to notice it one day while he was asking me for help on something he was doing for my class. And they, you know, the papers were off to the side and I just happened to notice it. And uh, it seemed a little bit odd, but this was like the last week of class. And uh, I didn't, you know, I didn't, really ask about it at all so the class ended Mm -hmm. and a few months go by 
And it turns out he was involved with one of the female officers. They were exchanging, you know, like love letters, essentially. And there was an investigation going against her to, to... because you know just because there's suspicion doesn't mean that there are facts they have to find the facts before they can uh, they can do some kind of corrective action so they opened up an investigation against her she found out and she quit and um, that's just kind of you know a telltale sign to whether or not it's it's true but it uh, as the weeks went on she started sending him letters again, but this time using her real name, her address, and she was actually sending him um, like photos of herself in lingerie. Wow. So, was she yeah. very good looking? Was she attractive? Uh, I, w- I would say she was moderately attractive. Wow, nice. She, yeah, she wasn't, you know, she wasn't hideous. She, she was a moderately attractive woman. So he got someone and, waiting for him outside. Like, good for him, I guess. Like, <laughs> yeah. It, yeah, it happens. Um, it happens. And we had another instance where, uh, so in the kitchen there, uh, at least in our facility, there were a few blind spots. And uh, there was another investigation opened on one of the kitchen workers. Mm-hmm. Um, because, so a, a lot of, in a lot of these situations, the way that we find out about these relationships is from other inmates, not because they want to, you know, make sure everything's above the board, but because they're jealous that they're not getting that attention, you know? Yeah. Like so, who wouldn't be, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's how a lot of more serious issues come about because you're doing something for this inmate, you know, maybe you're just giving him extra food, uh, you know, while, the other inmate wants extra food too. So if they say something, now you got to give them extra food. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you brought in some food from the outside. Maybe you made some food at home for this inmate. Well, you know what? Now this other inmate wants some extra food for himself and his friends. So it kind of snowballs like that little scenario like this turns into a huge issue. So anyways, there, that's how we found out about this relationship and they started watching her on cameras and she was going a lot with one specific inmate into the freezer and inside the freezer, there's no cameras. So, yeah, you know, there could be a lot, a lot going on in there and nobody would know. Wow. Um, yeah. And uh, same scenario. They opened up an investigation against her and the minute she found out she quit. What what's the like if 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 the invest like would they would they have fired her if they would have just found out or would it be like a criminal charge? So it's a, it's an interesting situation because with our facility being run by a private company, it's not up to us whether or not we file charges. It's up to the state. Yeah. Uh, the state has maybe a dozen staff of their own staff members in our facility at all times. Mm-hmm. So I'll, you know, from a company perspective, it would have been a for, for sure termination. Um, if the state wants to press charges, they would have had to have proven 
something that did happen and it's actually it's actually a crime to have any kind of uh, sexual contact with an inmate um, there was a law passed called the prison rape elimination act mm-hmm. and any kind of sexual contact whether it be between staff and inmate or inmate and inmate is is not allowed um they just rob so, all the joy in the world don't they <laughs> <laughs> well yeah. it came it came about because there was a lot of serious rape cases in the early 90s between um inmates and inmates uh so yeah they, like a yeah, stereotype passed, yeah 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 exactly it uh so they passed this law and you know it's just that's just kind of like the aftermath of it so if the investigation turns up that there is some kind of sexual contact going on. It's up to the state to decide if they're going to press charges. So you, yeah, you could potentially face criminal charges in a situation like that. If you're getting romantically, you know, sexually involved with an inmate, um, same, same goes for drug charges. If you're bringing contraband yeah. in for the inmates, it's, you're going to be terminated, but it's not up to us to file charges. It's up to the state because ultimately it's uh, the state that we're working for. It's, you know, I feel like they really couldn't probably charge her though. Like, because if there's no camera, there's no proof. Like she could be doing anything in there. Like it'd be a hard case, you know? Exactly. So that's exactly, exactly what it is. There's, It's all about what you can prove. It doesn't matter what you know, what can you prove? And proving something like that would be pretty difficult. They'd have to do, I'm sure they would have to do something similar to like a rape test for her. Yeah. And I I don't know, it's going to sound kind of crazy, but I don't know what our rights would be at that point. I would imagine that they would have the authority to do a rape test on her. But those rape tests, uh, they only last as long as like, that means they'd have to like catch her right after the act almost before yeah, she had exactly. any shower. It'd be like, they'd have to really mm-hmm. trick her into it. Um, exactly. It'd oh, be wow. really difficult. They they kind of had to set her up. Yeah. Like talk about choosing like the, you know, like that's like you, you definitely have like, like you're definitely going for the wrong people if you're like going to fuck a prisoner, you know, like you're definitely like, you know, you're not picking any winners. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's and that's the case, really, because a lot of them, they're like I said, they're just doing it as a game. You know, they want to see how much they can get out of a person and who can get the most out of the person mm-hmm. or anybody, really. And in the situation where I had my student writing letters to the female officer, he was writing the same letter to two other women exact same letter he was just changing the name and the handwriting so he's like collecting women you know exactly and it's it's just a game for them you know they'll have one woman that'll put money on their books for you know food and snacks and then they'll have another woman that'll send them clothes and shoes and then you know someone else will say yeah. So when they're taking classes, they have to buy school books. So some of them will send school books. They've got, you know, somebody sending them all these things. 
and in a lot of cases they're getting it from different women that they're you know manipulating to say that they're you know they're going to come out and be with them and you know live a happy life but in reality they're doing the same thing sending the same message to other women at the same time sometimes they send them out on the same mail day it probably makes life in prison for them a lot easier you know that's why they do it like why why you have all that extra time on your hands might as well um yeah anyway jesse we've hit like the hour mark and we should probably wrap things up all right man thank thanks again for having me back no problem it's been great having you and uh have a great night If you like the show and feel like you have a story to tell, email us at them.inthis at gmail.com or on Instagram at them.inthispodcast. You could be a future guest on this show. Mm-hmm.